Good morning. How are we doing? Germantown campus, Washington campus, online. I'm excited to be speaking with you today or speaking to you today, I guess. I and mean, we can talk together some other time, but today it's just going to be me, if that's all right with you. Uh, so uh, my name is Pastor Jake. I'm the lead pastor here at Great Oaks. And we are in a series called Ghosted on the Holy Spirit. Today we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, so we'll just camp out there. So if you have your Bible, you can head over there uh, and be ready uh, for that. Uh, but gifts are fun, right? Giving, when you give a gift to, to someone, you, you kind of expect them to be excited about it. You expect them to, to like getting gifts. I, I, I've never met anybody who's like, man, I hate my birthday. Why? Because people give me stuff for free. It's so annoying. Oh, it sounds really bad. Like, most people don't do that. Maybe you're that one person. It's okay. You don't have to tell me afterwards. I don't care. But most of us really like to receive gifts. I know I like to receive gifts. My kids love to receive gifts. When it's Christmas or their birthday, they're always asking, can we, can we open gifts early? Can we open gifts today? Can we open gifts right now? Right? They're just always in that. And I want my kids to be excited about the gifts that I'm going to give them. So it's a, it's a good thing. I, I like it. I want them to be excited about those gifts. But I can think as a parent, I can think of a couple ways that this whole gift-giving thing could go bad, can't you? Like, one, one way that the gift-giving thing goes bad with your kids is that, is that they're kind of fighting over the gifts, right? They don't want what they, they got. They want what their brother or sister got, and, and that brother or sister doesn't want to share what they just got, right? And sometimes it's not even about wanting that gift. It's just, it's just that that gift looks like more expensive or bigger or whatever, and they, they, they think they want that gift. And so that's how it could go bad. It's kind of some fighting over the gifts and jealousy involved there. Another way I can think of gift giving going bad is, is when I give a gift to my kids and they don't use the gift, right? Like you give them a, a toy and it gets tossed in the toy bin and kind of forgotten, neglected, abandoned. You give them the sweater, it goes in the closet, never to be worn, right? Uh, they may get excited in the beginning. They may, may, may play with the toy in the beginning, but eventually it gets just abandoned and, and forgotten. These are, these are ways that it could go bad. And, and sometimes it's both of these things. Sometimes the kids are, are jealous about their brother or sister, what they got, and because of that, they lose sight. They, they miss out on the fact that they got a good gift, too, and they, they end up abandoning that, neglecting that, not, not playing with that gift that you got them. Kids, right? I mean, kids. It's a good thing that us mature men and women don't struggle with these things, Right? I mean, it's a good thing we've moved on from childish behavior. Now we're good, right? We're in a seven-week series, like I said, called Ghosted. I mean, it's just on the Holy Spirit. And, and I believe that we as a culture at a church, that we, we struggle with ghosting the Holy Ghost. We ignore him. Uh, we have a tendency to kind of not listen to his guidance and his, his voice. And we leave his messages unanswered and his conviction, you know, not responded to. And, and we just don't, we don't listen. We, we may get excited when we first give our lives to Jesus, but many of us end up kind of ghosting the Holy Ghost. And we don't, we don't listen to him. We, we ignore him. And so we've talked through in this series now, three things so far, three weeks. We've talked about the person of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, 
and the power of the Holy Spirit. Person, purpose, power, these first three weeks. If you've missed any of those, make sure you, make sure you get those online. Watch those on our website because especially last week, last week we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. God really did some cool stuff. Uh, but a lot of you were too chilly, right? So you stayed home. It got a little cold. And so you're like, ah, I'm going to stay home. So, so it was a little cold last Sunday. It was MLK weekend. Maybe you were out celebrating. I don't know. But you, you, some of you weren't here. So make sure you get that online so you understand kind of what we're talking about um, today. Today, though, we begin uh, another three weeks. Uh, today's the first one on the gifts of the Spirit. And really, we're just going to go through three chapters kind of verse by verse, go through three chapters in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to start with chapter 12 today. We're going to jump to chapter 14 next week, which is on tongues and prophecy. Who's pumped to talk about tongues and prophecy? That's right. Getting a lot of questions about that from life group. Like, what do you, like life groups. Like, what do you guys want to talk about? They're like, we want to talk about tongues. What's up with that? What is that? All right. So we're going to talk about tongues and prophecy next week. It's going to be good. And then we'll circle back around in that third week uh, to talk about 1 Corinthians 13. And so 12 today, 14 next week, and then we'll circle, circle back around to 13. But, but gifts should be a good thing, right? Getting gifts, that's fun. Getting gifts is fun, right? It should be fun to get gifts. It's a good thing, especially gifts from the Holy Spirit. It's a good thing. But historically, the gifts of the Spirit haven't been all that fun to talk about in church, um, it's been kind of a divisive topic. This is kind of a divisive passage. of The scripture itself is not divisive, but it's become divisive as, as churches have split over it, and there's been debates, and whole denominations have gone in different directions. And it, it, over our history, our church history, it just hasn't been all that fun. I think it's fun. It's the gifts of the Spirit. Who doesn't like getting gifts, right? I mean, it should be fun. But you've got the, these extremes. You've got these people over here who want to say that the gifts of the Spirit, the, at least the miraculous gifts of the Spirit, are, are no longer available to, to the church today. And, and, and they were just for a certain time in history, around time, the time the book of Acts is being written and all of that. And, and once we got the Bible, then we don't need the gifts of the Spirit. And they'll pull out a verse from 1 Corinthians 13 to kind of prove that. And we'll, we'll cover that verse in a couple weeks as we talk through it. But they'll say that the gifts of ceased. There's no more gifts. Then you've got this other extreme over here. These are people who are like all about the gifts of the Spirit, right? Like they can't make a decision without asking a prophet to prophesy over them, right? They, they, they're praying in tongues to get a good parking spot at Walmart, and it's just weird, all right? It's just getting weird, and, and there's just all this weirdness around the gifts of the Spirit, and, and it really pushes people away. It, it, there's a lot, of, a lot of craziness there, but I don't... I don't think that we need to be in one of these extremes. I think that if we are people who believe in and trust the word of God and seek after the spirit of God, I think that, I think that we can avoid these extremes. If we are people of the word and the spirit together, I believe we can find a biblical balance. And so that's, that's what we're going to try to do over these next three weeks, including today. We'll talk about these gifts of the Spirit. If you've been in church long, you've, you've studied this. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It's, it's like the go-to passage for gifts in the Spirit. Um, and so uh, it's not the only passage. It's just, it's just the one where it's dealt with in the most detail, and, and it's very thorough, and it's very long, and, and so we have a lot of information there. There are other passages. 
But let me, before we jump into this, let me give you a little bit of history or background in uh, just 1 Corinthians about the book so you kind of understand where we're going or what it's saying. Uh, the, the writer of 1 Corinthians is, is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to a church in a city called Corinth, right? And even though it's called 1 Corinthians, it's actually not his first letter to them because in chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians, he mentions another letter that he had already sent. In chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, he mentions a reply letter back from the church. And so Paul has written a letter, and then the church has replied, and this is his second letter, at least. Could be, could be more than that, but this is his, his second letter. And, and it really seems like the Apostle Paul is just handling all these different things that the church in Corinth had written him about. Questions, issues, with understanding. Because over and over and over in the book of 1 Corinthians, as we have it, he uses this phrase. He just says, now concerning, whatever. So some of you, you may see in your translation, now about, whatever. And so now concerning what you wrote, now concerning virgins, now concerning sexual immorality, now concerning food, sacrifice to idols. And so it really seems like he's almost like bullet point style, just handling each of their concerns that they sent to him in this reply letter uh, that, that we don't have right now, right? And so he's kind of taking on these things one at a time. And it seems like there were, some of these things are pretty crazy. Like read the book of 1 Corinthians. It seems like the church had some really weird stuff going on uh, at different times. And so they were struggling and the Apostle Paul was trying to correct some of that with this letter that we call 1 Corinthians. But in 1 Corinthians 12, we see that phrase, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now some of your message, some of your translations, your Bibles will, will say, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant about this, okay? I can think of another reason uh, that, my, that my kids would not play with the toy I got them, the gift I got them. Uh, may, maybe they, they leave that gift abandoned, neglected, unwanted in a toy bin somewhere because they don't know how to use it. Maybe that's why they do that. It would be like it would be like my, my six-year-old Joshua really wanting this remote control car, right? And, and so on his birthday, I give him this remote control car. And day one, I see him carrying the car from, from like room to room. He's pumped about it. He's carrying this car around. Day two, same thing. He's carrying this car around. He's excited. Day three, carrying this car around. But about a week later, I notice he's not carrying the remote control car around anymore. And, and so I go to him and I say, hey, bud, how's that? How's that car I got you, the remote control car? That's pretty, that, you wanted that. Is you having fun with it? And he goes, oh, daddy, I, I put it in my room because I could never get the thing to go. It wasn't fun carrying it around. I couldn't get it to work. So I, did, I didn't give him the instructions. I didn't help him. He can't read, so it wouldn't matter if I gave him the instructions, right? I didn't help him fix the problem. I didn't help him get it going. He was, he was uninformed. He was ignorant. He couldn't. He couldn't use the gift that I gave him. And so the gift went unwanted, neglected, in a toy bin, forgotten. I could see it going that way. The Apostle Paul has spent time writing in 1 Corinthians about all kinds of things. Divisions in the church and sexual immorality and marriage and idolatry and the glory of God and, 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 and um, communion and many other things. And now he goes, concerning spiritual gifts... I don't want you to be ignorant. Don't be uninformed about this. You need to know about spiritual gifts 
The gifts of the Holy Spirit. So this is what we're going to read and study today in the next two weeks is important. Something that the Bible commands us to know about, to not be uninformed about. Look at verse 2. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So I think what he's saying here is just, is just that things are different now. At one time, you were, you were led by mute idols. You listened to mute idols. Now, it's kind of hard to listen to a mute idol, right? It's kind of, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I think what he's saying is you were, you were bowing down to these idols of wood and stone that were mute and deaf, and then you were just kind of going and, and figuring things out. You were just making things up, inventing things. Here's how we're going to do this. Here's what our God tells us to do, even though he didn't say anything, right? And so they were kind of, they were kind of like, Going through life like it's, like it's a, a, a stormy sea without, without any compass, without any, any way to know where they were going. They're just kind of inventing it on their way, making it, making it up on the way. And, and, and the Apostle Paul is saying it's not like that anymore. Now you serve a God who is not mute. He's a God of order. And so he's going to give you some instruction. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to guess. We have a God who speaks. Then listen to verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay, I don't usually pull in Greek, the Greek language, when I preach. I think a lot of pastors mention Greek to prove that they went to seminary, and I'm not, I don't need to prove that to you. <laughs> so I don't talk about Greek a lot. Sometimes it gets a little confusing. Uh, but I do think Greek is the original language that First Corinthians w- was written in, and I, I do think that it, it may help us here today. And so to explain this passage, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. And so it talked about, this passage mentioned three main things, right? It, it mentioned the gifts. There's a variety of gifts. Then he says, there's a variety of service. And then he says, there's a variety of activities, he calls it. Service, I'm sorry, gifts, service, and activities. And the Greek word for this word gifts is the word charisma. And the, the plural of that is, is charismata, so um, if you've heard that before. And it comes from the Greek word charis, which just means grace. So, which makes sense, right? Because a, a gift is given in grace. It's given in mercy. There's no, there, you can't earn a gift if it's a true gift. So this is a, this is a grace gift. Now, now, can you guess what, what English word do we get from this word charisma? Charisma, right? And so that wasn't, a, that wasn't a trick question. Charisma is what we get in the English. Another word that we get from this is the word charismatic, right? 
Now these words, charisma and charismatic, outside of the church mean one thing, inside of the church mean a different thing. So outside of the church, when we say a person has charisma, we're talking about their personality, right? We're saying, oh, they have this gift with people, like people like them, they're charming, something like that. When we say charismatic, we say that political leader is, is charismatic, that, that pastor is charismatic. And what we mean is that he's likable, people like, he's got this gift, people are attracted to him, this charisma, right? But within the church, this word charismatic means different things to different people, right? Like like even in this room, we could probably come up with a whole lot of definitions at Washington campus. You guys come up with a whole lot of definitions of charismatic. Um, Some people think that, that charismatic church is equal, in their mind, is equal to crazy church. Like charismatic church. They're crazy, all right? They're crazy. To other people, charismatic church, that's just a church that doesn't use a piano and an organ and a hymnal, Right? And so they're just like, whoa, they sing contemporary. They, do they have a, like a bass guitar up there? Charismatic, all right? So that's kind of what they think. Like they may raise their hands or charismatic, all right? It's about contemporary worship. Uh, to some people, charismatic means heretical. It means in error, unbiblical, wrong, cultish. So they would say that. But literally, the word charismatic, if we're saying charismatic church or charismatic Christian, The word charismatic just means that you believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit outlined in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, that they operate or should operate in the church today just like they did in the book of Acts and when 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 were written. Does that make sense? That's all it means. It's it's tied to this word gifts. It means that you believe that. It doesn't mean that you prophesy and speak in tongues. It just means that you, you believe that. You're a charismatic. So, so if you would say, I believe that the gifts of the Spirit should be in operation today as they are in Acts, you are a charismatic believer. Okay, that may sound weird to you. You may be like, I don't know if I can tell my parents that, right? Like, they may freak out, but it's true. It's literally what it means. So a variety of gifts, charisma, and then it says a variety of service, the Greek word for that one is just diakonia. Diakonia is where we get the English word deacon from. And so deacon really just means a servant in the church. That's what deacon means. Service is the same word as ministry. Diakonia, ministry, service, same thing. And then it says a variety of activities. Variety of gifts, variety of service, variety of activities. This one is the Greek word... Energema. Energema. And you may be able to hear it a little bit, but our, our English word energy comes from, I'm about to write that in, in Greek. Let's not do that. Energy comes from that. I can spell English words and Greek words. Okay. Energema, energy, that's where it comes from. And, and really it comes from this word in Greek, ergon, which literally just means deed or work. And so another translation for this word energema is the word that I I like this word better. I think it's a better translation is the word result. And let me explain why I think that this is a better translation. A lot of times what we do with this passage is that we think it's talking about three separate things in the life of the church. Like there's a variety of of gifts and there's a variety of service over here and there's a variety of activities. Like there's gifts and there's ministry and there's a lot of those. And then whatever's left over is what he's saying about activities. Could be anything, just just activities. We've got these three separate things. 
But I'm not sure that that's what this is talking about. I think it may be talking about a process, more of a process. And so here's kind of what I think it's saying. I think it's saying that gifts, when plugged into service, will produce a powerful result. Gifts, when plugged into service, will produce a powerful result. And that it is the same God at all levels of this process. He owns the gifts, he owns the service, he owns the result. And then finally, that it's all for the common good. Every level, everything that's going on is for the common good. So the same God gives the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. He allows the service, when we plug those into service, and then he produces the powerful result because of that, all for the common good. Are you tracking with me? All right. Let's move on to uh, verse 8 in our passage. The Apostle Paul is going to list out these miraculous gifts of the Spirit. Not all of the gifts of the Spirit. He's just talking about the ones that the, the church in Corinth are asking about or the ones that they had issues with, okay? So you can see other gifts in other places. But look at verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 12. It says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Okay, miraculous gifts of the Spirit. If you want to see what we call the administrative gifts of the Spirit, the other gifts of the Spirit, uh, those can be found in Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. Here he's just talking through these, these miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, as you're reading through this in your Bible, uh, there's a break right here after verse 11. There's a, there's a, a, a new paragraph, maybe, maybe even a new heading in my, my Bible at the beginning of chapter 12. It, the heading, verse 1, is, is spiritual gifts. And now in verse 12, it's one body with many members, right? The headings and the breaks, those are good. They help us remember where things are. They're not in the original text. It's okay. This is great. I'm just saying, this is not, don't let it fool you. This is all one thing. It's one cohesive unit in chapter 12, 13, and 14 about the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit and how they are to be used in the local church. So don't, don't get confused and think this is something separate. This is verse 11. He just said, the Apostle Paul just said, the Holy Spirit apportions to each one gifts that as he wills. He decides that, right? And that's directly tied to what we're going to see next in verse 12. Now, you've, you've heard this next passage probably. It's where we get the idea that the body is made up, I'm sorry, that the church is the body made up of different parts, right? Have you ever heard that before? The body of Christ, the church is the, you guys haven't heard that? Have you ever read the Bible before? I'm just throwing it out there. Like the body, yeah, so the church is the body, right? You've heard that? And so I'm just going to read through the whole thing to you. Uh, and then we'll give you some things to think about today. So verse 12, for just as the body is one 
and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are, the, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Listen to verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various types of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire these higher gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. So we'll look at that more excellent way next week and talk a little bit about what does he mean by earnestly desiring the higher gifts as we look at the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy that he kind of gets into in chapter, chapter 14. So I, I want to give you a couple things to think about. And really, I just want to give you kind of a definition of, of charisma, of charismata. Uh, the gifts of the Spirit, okay, a gift of the Spirit. I kind of want to give you a definition of what this is all about, a holistic definition uh, of what this is about. And so we'll, we'll kind of, it's not a, like a normal gift where we just receive it in the same way. It's not that we can give these gifts, and so it's something that we kind of need to talk through, and we'll break it down one by one. But here it is. Charisma is the Holy Spirit's enabling of any believer to exercise a gift in ministry with powerful result for the common good. Okay, so we're going to break this down one by one. Let me read it again. The Holy Spirit's enabling of any believer to exercise a gifted ministry with powerful result for the common good. So first of all, it's the Holy Spirit enabling. The Holy Spirit is enabling. So it's, it's all the Holy Spirit. The, the whole thing is Him. There's no, you can't get the gifts of the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit, right? If you ghost the Holy Ghost, this won't be you. And so you have to involve the Holy Spirit in your life. It's the Holy Spirit enabling these gifts. And then it's the Holy Spirit's enabling of any believer 
any believer. Listen, this is important, beloved. There is no special class of Jesus follower. There is no special class of Jesus follower that, that gets these gifts of the Spirit, right? There is no, there's no, it's not like you get to a certain level in the Holy Ghost game and then you get the gifts of the Spirit. That's not... That's not the way it works, okay? So, so there is no, there's no caste system here. You don't have to be a certain age, ethnicity, sex, or even maturity level. You simply have to be open to the Holy Spirit giving you these gifts and content with him using you however you want to be used, right? So, so, so this is not some special caste of believers, some higher caste like that. And then I would also say this, that there's this thought out there that the Holy Spirit gives you one of these gifts, and then that's it. This is your gift forever, and you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit, right? Like, that's just it. You just get it, and you're done. Um, I don't know where that thought comes from. It's not in the Bible. We are consistently and constantly encouraged to seek after and desire these gifts. And I don't see anything in the Bible about stopping. Will the Holy Spirit use you in a certain way with a certain gift primarily, you know, most of the time? Absolutely. That seems to happen. You have this primary gift. But that doesn't mean that you should not be stepping out in faith and asking the Holy Spirit to give you, to gift you in order to to do something new, a new assignment, a new thing that you're supposed to do. Uh, within the mission of Christ on earth. And so I think that we continually, continually, should continually desire these gifts and seek after them as he leads. So the Holy Spirit's enabling of any believer to exercise a gift. Some people think that the gifts of the Spirit, the miraculous gifts of the Spirit, just kind of, like they just happen. And so they'll say things like, well, I've never spoken in tongues, so I guess I don't have the gift of tongues. I've never prophesied, so I don't have the gift of prophecy. I've never seen anybody healed, so I don't have the gift of healing. They think they're just going to be kind of sitting in a church service, and then all of a sudden it's going to be like, wham! They're going to stand up and be like, come to me, all you heavy, you know, weary and heavy laden. I will heal you now. Or they're just going to get hit by the Holy Spirit and start speaking in Chinese or something like that or in some other language. Or they're going to just all of a sudden become this prophet in this moment. I, in my experience, that's not... That's not how this happens. This is, there is a step of faith. There is a, an act of your will to step out. Like, for instance, you got to open your mouth and speak in order to be used by God, the Holy Spirit, to, to, to speak a word of prophecy or a word in tongues. You, you have to actually pray in faith over someone who's sick to be healed, to see somebody who's sick be healed, right? Like, there's got to be an act. So exercise, I think, is the right right word here because it, it, it is a little bit like a muscle. Like the more you use it in the power of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, the easier it becomes. And so I think exercise is, is the right word. You step out in faith for him to use you in whatever gift he wants to give you in whatever way he wants to use you. So the Holy Spirit's enabling of any believer to exercise a gift in ministry or in service. In ministry or service to whom? What's the church answer? Jesus, right? I thought you guys would get that. Are you guys ready? Okay. In ministry or service to Jesus, right? Like, 
I don't want you to be confused. This is all about Jesus. This is about his body, the church, expanding and growing. This is about the mission of Christ to seek and save that which is lost. And your part in the mission of Christ to make disciples of all nations. This is about Jesus. Ministry, service to Jesus. So I said that, that gifts, you're not given just one gift, right? I, I think that you can ask the Holy Spirit to give you more as it's necessary to carry out the mission of Christ. I I believe that. But I think this idea of ministry and service, this is where the last half of the chapter, chapter 12, the part about the body being made up of different parts, I think think this is where that comes in. So here's, here's what I'll say. Your gift and your ministry aren't always the same thing. So you are You are gifted in order to play a role in the body of Christ. Are you tracking with me? So you may be gifted in multiple ways in order to play one role, have one function in the body of Christ. So so your gift and your ministry aren't the same thing. Here's an example. You may be gifted in teaching and in caring for people, but your role, your ministry, your role is not to be a pastor. Maybe, right? That may be the case in your life. Um, you, may be, you may be really good at, at like picking stuff up and doing some other hand type things, but you're a foot. How many of you pick stuff up with your foot? I do it all the time, like a monkey, all right? You can pick some stuff up with your foot, but it's not the same as a hand. Your, your job is to be a foot. Are you track it with me? You can, sometimes you, you can maybe bend really well and, and, and sustain a lot, of, hold up a, a pretty good amount of weight, and, and you, you can do that, but, but you're not a knee. You're an elbow. And thank God for our feet and our elbows, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to stand or do the robot, okay? You just... <laughs> So it's important. And maybe you don't know what your role is and what your gift is. Listen, we'd love to help you figure that out. We have a class, actually, for that that we would love for you to go through. It's called Serve Class. It's only one Sunday. It's happening on the 16th, on February 16th. Register.greatoaks.church. Get ahead of that. Be there. Fill that class. Figure out what is your part, what is your, your, your service within the ministry of our church, within the body of Christ here at Great Oaks. Okay, we have to move on. Ministry to Christ. Gifts plugged into ministry to Christ, the local church, as a member of that local church, functioning in a certain role that God has called you to. Okay, so in ministry with powerful result. Now, it's God that does this. God owns the result, right? God owns the result. We we serve and we do ministry and we, we open ourselves up to be gifted by the Holy Spirit and then God, God owns the result. But I do believe, personally, I do believe that if you are being equipped by the Holy Spirit with these spiritual gifts and plugging those gifts into ministry for Christ, for the mission of Christ, I believe you can expect a powerful result, Okay? I believe you can expect a powerful result. Now, um, if, you're not, if you're not experiencing a powerful result, then I would, always, I would always just push back in two ways, just two things to think about. One, are you, are you actually asking the Holy Spirit to gift you in this way, to, to gift you miraculously, to give you the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit? And are you stepping out in faith in order to, to be used by him in this way? So question one, 
Are you being empowered by the Holy Spirit and, and asking him to help you through his spiritual gifts to accomplish the ministry, the task, the assignment you've been given? That's question one. Question two is if you're doing that and still not seeing a powerful result, then maybe, possibly, you're not in the right role. You're a foot trying to be a hand, right? You're an elbow trying to be a knee. And so you need to figure out where you fit in the body of Christ. What is your role? What is your function? So just two, two quick things to think about. There's a lot of other things we could, we could go into that deeper, but just two quick things to think about there as far as powerful result goes. And then last, last but not least, for the common good. Beloved, I want you to understand something. You, you are not the sun around which the solar system revolves. And I know that's hard to believe because everybody's telling you that you are the sun around which the solar system revolves. And if, if you don't feel comfortable, if you don't feel good, if you're not happy, then you just move because everybody's gonna move with you because you're the sun around which the solar system revolves but you are not beloved this isn't about you this is about the common good this is about the mission of christ being accomplished in our world so if you're sitting here going hey that's pretty interesting pastor but i'm good i don't need i don't really need that like i'm a like i'm an engineer i'm a lawyer i'm an accountant i'm a teacher i'm whatever but i got a house and i got cars and i got kids and we're happy and so I'm actually good I'm good I don't need I don't need the Holy Spirit's gifts I don't need if that's you man you are missing it because this isn't about you this isn't about you feeling good about where you're at or or comfortable or anything like that this is the gifts are for the common good the body of Christ big C church and little c Great Oaks Community Church to expand and grow and take territory back from Satan in our world for the glory of Christ and the sake of lost people who have yet to find what you have found in Christ. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about the common good. It's about the common good. Listen, spiritual gifts don't make accomplishing the, the, the mission of Christ easier. They make it possible. Spiritual gifts don't make accomplishing the mission of Christ easier. They make it possible. They, they make it possible. The mission of Christ makes spiritual gifts a need, not a bonus, Okay? It's not, it's not a bonus. Like, oh, it'll be a little easier if I could prophesy. No. It's only possible through the gifts and equipping of the Holy Spirit. So, so here's what I'm saying. If you're, if you're bought into this Jesus thing, if you are following Jesus, if he has, is Lord and leader of your life, if you have submitted your life to him and you're about his mission and his purpose being accomplished on the earth, if that's you, then you will want to be equipped by the Holy Spirit. 
You'll be like the apostles in the book of Acts at the beginning who believed Jesus that they shouldn't go out and try to accomplish the mission of Christ apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll be at home going, before I go to work, God, please gift me. Before I go serve in the nursery, God, give me your spiritual gifts. Before I try to lead my family and try to do what you've called me to do in my workplace, Holy Spirit, Gift me, empower me, help me, because I cannot accomplish the mission of Christ apart from the gifts and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. If, if you are sold out to this thing, then you will want to be equipped by the Holy Spirit. The, the gifts, the, the gifts, the, the miraculous gifts are not given, they're not for you, beloved. They're for the common good. These miraculous gifts, your talents, your abilities, your time, your influence, your money, your stuff, your breath was all given to you to accomplish the mission of Christ on earth, in your community, in your neighborhood, through your church. It's not, it's not for you. Let me, let me end this way. I want to encourage you to seek after the gifts of the Holy Spirit outlined in 1 Corinthians 12. I want to encourage you to seek after the gifts of the Spirit. Not because they're fun, even though they are. Not because they're good, even though they are. Not because you'll grow in your faith as you step out in faith to be equipped by the Holy Spirit and, and take part in the mission of God on earth, even though you will. I want to encourage you to seek after the gifts of the Spirit because we need you. We need you. We need, we need your service. We need your gifts. We need your presence. We, we, we need you. And the Holy Spirit, God, God, he's given you these gifts to use for his purpose. And just like it grieves you when you give a gift to your son or daughter that goes unwanted and neglected and abandoned, I think it's fair to say it also grieves God to see the gifts of the Spirit go unwanted, neglected, abandoned. The very things we need to carry out his mission on earth. And so don't ghost the Holy Ghost anymore. Seek after his gifts. In service, seek after gifts to be equipped to do service for Christ in the local church, for the common good, empowered by the Holy Spirit, all for Jesus. At all of our campuses, Washington, Germantown, online, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, God, for your body, the church, whose task it is, mission it is, to seek and save the lost through the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your gifts.
that enable us to do that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for enabling us to do that. I pray right now that every Christ follower in this room would earnestly, consistently, constantly seek after you, Holy Spirit, and your gifts so that they can accomplish Jesus, your your mission on earth and their community and their neighborhood, one neighbor at a time. Every Christ follower. I pray, Jesus, that to the the person who is a little apathetic about this, like, eh, I'm good as is. I pray, God, that you would so, that you would so wreck them today, that they would be so overwhelmed by a desire to see your mission accomplished in their neighborhood, in their family, in their community, in their world, a desire to see lost people be found, a desire to see those who are far from you, God, take steps towards you for lives to be transformed, for families to be changed, that they would have such a desire and a longing to see your mission accomplished on earth before you return, that, that they, would, they would just totally do a 180 and move from apathy to just desiring all the help hope they could possibly get from your Holy Spirit and the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives that they would say I don't want to go out without I don't want to go to battle without a sword I don't want to go to war without what I need without the weapons that God has given me in this fight and and so I just pray that there's a 180 in the lives and the minds and the hearts of many Christ followers who walked into this room or started watching online apathetic I pray, Jesus, that that would be changed. I pray also, God, for the person listening, the person in this room who has yet to give their life totally over to you. Maybe they're asking a hard question. They're going, hey, I've come to church, but I don't, I don't live my life with the mission of Christ on earth at the forefront. I don't even think about that. I just go to work and make money and show up. They're not in ministry. They're not in service in the church. They're they're not involved in accomplishing your mission that you've given us as Christ followers. I pray for them, God, that maybe they have yet to fully surrender their life over to you. They know about you, but they don't know you. They know about your passion, but your passion is not their passion. They know about your mission, but your mission is not their mission. I pray that today would be the day that they give their life over to you completely, 100%. They seek after the Holy Spirit to transform them, to lead them and guide them, to make them into a new creation, to fill them, empower them, and give them the gifts they need to accomplish their part in the mission you've given us on earth. We love you, Jesus. We give all this into your hands and we trust you with it. And everybody said... Amen. Why don't you stand with me? We're running out of time, but here's my, here's my prayer for us today. May we care enough about the mission of Christ to earnestly seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit. May each one of us find a place of consistent week in, week out service. Service that matters within the church God has placed us. And may our foundation for all of this be a desire not for our own good, but for the common good. 
God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Before you leave, if you'd like some prayer, we've got prayer workers at the side who would love to pray for you that you would be gifted by the Holy Spirit to carry out the mission of Christ or pray in any way that you need there on the side before you leave. Make sure you talk this over with your life group. If you're not in a life group yet, it just means that you're not plugged into Great Oaks. We'd love to get you plugged in. Just stop at Connection Central and we'll get you into a life group today. And as always, my challenge to you is to leave here not dismissed, but sent. Be a Jesus follower who, empowered by the Holy Spirit, equipped by the Holy Spirit, goes out from this place and makes and disciples other Jesus followers. God bless you. You may go, and we'll see you next week. Tongues and prophecy. It's going to be fun. Don't miss it.